Good morning for the Met Radio Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroixy, and debuting on the show, I've got writer and actor Curtis Webster. How you doing? I'm doing great, Donovan. How you doing? I'm doing good. Where are you from originally? Uh, I am a, uh, a a Southern California native, which is sort of unusual for my generation. Um, grew up in Upland, California, and I now reside in Agoura Hills, California. Okay, okay, okay. And how did you get into the entertainment business? In case we have listeners, well, we do have listeners, but new ones that don't know anything about Curtis Webster, because you and I were talking talking you could give us the summarization and just one question <laughs> oh yeah uh, it's 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 going to be a bit of a long answer but but here we go i had dabbled in acting for several decades but because of job, family, blah, 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 um, I did not have the time to study it, you know, seriously. And I don't care how much talent you have. If you don't work the craft, you're not going to make it. So um, 10 years ago, I was at San Diego Comic-Con. Yes, a man of my age goes to Comic-Con. I don't know what that says about my character, but there you are. <laughs> And um, I had a chance meeting with the late, great Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica. Within 30 seconds... I mean, the man was not only a great actor, he was spiritually very gifted. And I know that can mean many different things, but he had the ability to sort of look at you, look in your eyes, look into your soul and figure out who you were. And I had not said anything to him about acting. And he said, uh, you have talent you don't realize you have. You should be an actor. I will be your mentor. So like within, within a minute of meeting the man, I was already uh, an acting student. And I spent uh, about a year and a half in a workshop. And Richard was like, the, uh, the the harshest football coach you could ever imagine. He would not let me get away with anything. He beat on me and beat on me and beat on me lovingly. And, uh, you know, darned if there wasn't an actor in there. So at, when I reached the point of um, saying, yeah, I can actually do this, I got my profile on Actors Access, I was stunned to, to get cast in some things. I got a manager, I got an agent, and the rest is history. But uh, you know, going back to people who are thinking about getting into it, I can't emphasize strongly enough, you got to work with a coach who knows what they're doing, and you've got to work it and work it and work it. I don't care if you're the most talented actor, you know, naturally gifted actor in history, you got to work it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How does it feel when someone recognizes that you are an actor? Because some people aren't looking to go in the business and they look at Curtis and they say, you're an actor. How does that feel? Well, it it, it feels like it feels like a lot of things. First off, it feels really good. Um, you know, we all love affirmation and it, uh, it, it, it feels like like sort of the last missing piece of my identity has fallen into place. Uh, so it, it means a lot to me on a lot of different levels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now... But if you don't want it and they still harass you, you're an actor, you're an actor, you're an actor. Uh, I would say if if somebody, um, again, whose who's judgment you have reason to trust says that to you, you probably ought to listen to it. You know, I, I didn't I didn't really fully believe it at first with Richard. Um, it took working with him and it took me doing some really, really bad work in his workshop. The, the, the coaching, the pushing, the screaming, the yelling. Um, um, so I, I was kind of relying on what Richard had said and also on, on 
again, I'd, I'd done a little bit of acting here and there throughout the decades, but hadn't really worked it. Uh, you know, sometimes people walk into your life and there's a reason why they're there. And uh, so if somebody tells you something about yourself that you aren't sure is true, you ought to at least, you know, look into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you, what do you call it? If you don't believe it, then analyze yourself, right? And if more than one person is telling you something, and if strangers are even telling you, then you know it's got to be true, right? There's there's got to be some basis for it somewhere. And, and you know, I, I think also some of the best actors you'll ever meet are introverts. And it's pretty hard to convince an introvert that he or she needs to get on stage in front of a camera and have thousands of people watching and open their mouth and say something. Um, I'm actually kind of, uh, you know, my natural tendency is toward introversion. So I kind of had to get over that a little bit going in. Um, but yeah, if, whatever you, whatever your spiritual foundation is, um, sometimes the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, is trying to tell you something. So even if you don't believe it, you know, if it, it's if it seems to be coming from reliable sources, um, you know, think about it. I'm glad you took the call and you took the plunge. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's hear about your projects because you're a writer, you're an actor, right? What have you written? And we've had a few of your friends on the show, by the way. Mm -hmm. Well, I've um, I've written many scripts over the years. Um, one won a screenwriting competition. But I've but up until I uh, sort of fell in with you know my, my current creative crew was having trouble getting them you know translated into, into actual film or TV. Uh, tell me something, which was a short that I shot with Leanne Bishop during COVID. He's we been on the show. <laughs> we were never in the same room at the same time uh, because it was COVID. Um, I wrote that one, and it has won a number of awards. So I'm very proud of that. But the project that I'm on right now is also with Leanne and Kelly Perrine. Uh, it's a, they have done a trilogy of romantic comedies revolving around the same two characters, uh, Candace and Peter. They're very funny. They are very insightful about the sort of the current state of dating and romance in the you know 21st century. And we're all getting together and we're going to expand that story into a feature. And I'm, I'm doing the script. Now, again, the this script is a little bit different because uh, it's going to be bits and pieces from lots of different contributors, and I then sort of have to make it into a coherent narrative. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to it. I I think this project is going to be absolutely wonderful. Um, it could well be a breakout hit somewhere once we get it uh, filmed and distributed. All right, all right. Fingers crossed, and it will be a breakout hit, as you said, right? Right, oh, it will be. <laughs> and shout out to Leanne and Kelly. They, they're friends to the show, and they've been on the show before. And that's how you came about. <laughs> yes. They, and and in, in addition to being extraordinarily talented, they are two of the best human beings on the planet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, what's that like telling stories these days that are funny? Because, you know, people can be a little bit sensitive these days. Yes. Well, I'm just sort of in, in everyday life, I can be kind of quick-witted and sometimes words come out of my mouth before I've really before I've really thought through the consequences. Uh, <laughs> so I actually, I, I, I get that uh, on, I won't say on a daily basis, but happens frequently where in some public context, I will say something without having thought about, you know, who might be hearing, which 
Uh, you'd think at my age, I would have learned how to curb that, but apparently not. Yeah. It, um, well, I, I'll go back to, let's say, uh, let's say Blazing Saddles, right? which I was a 74 release. That is, in addition to being one of the great comedies in film history, it's also about as devastating an indictment of racism as I think you're going to find. But that movie couldn't get made today. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, not not made as it was made. Um, so you you are, there is sort of this constant, you know, high wire act of being funny and insightful and trying to say something meaningful without running afoul of, you know, one group of people or another taking offense. And it's, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about how literal minded the culture seems to be becoming. Um, because, you know, irony is so much a part of comedy. And so if you use, you know, if you use a racially derogatory term, but you're doing it ironically, or, or you're doing it to uh, expose how really horrible that word is, um, people are just going to hear the word anymore. And I think right. that's, a, right. I, mean, I, right. I, I am all for cleaning up the language and uh, removing everything in it that's offensive. But sometimes to do that, you've got to bring the offensiveness out and, uh, you know, show it to people say, oh, my God, this word is awful. It, it, it is a definite, uh, you know, tightrope. Mm-hmm. But then but you get canceled. But then you get canceled. Yes, you do. <laughs> because if you bring, let's say, that word, we're not going to say that word, for example. Absolutely if you not. Joke, if you joke about that word, you're looking at a cancellation. And if it doesn't come from somebody who's a minority or black, especially if it comes from a white man or woman, cancel them. Yeah, yeah. But again, how how, how do we expose how awful all of this is if we don't bring it to light? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So, for example, let's talk. Um, You remember what's his name? Kramer from Sign felt he used the n-word but he seemed like he was forgiven can we be forgiven if we use you know racially charged or even homophobic you know derogatory words can we be redeemed from being canceled uh in a practical sense i think that's that's kind of hard to do um but i think certainly in a personal sense uh you know we all make mistakes and you know frankly i'm interested in what your character is today not what it was 30 years ago but yeah it's it it is a real dilemma because again sometimes words come out of your mouth and you don't think about it it just it's it's a very complicated situation but i like to believe that all people are redeemable maybe a couple that are beyond hope but i like to think everybody is redeemable and if it was a genuine mistake as opposed to um some you know philosophical platform you're espousing, then I would certainly like to give people a second chance. Roseanne Barr? Uh, I know that was five years ago. I'm pushing the envelope. <laughs> but yeah. it looks like she might be coming, but it looks like she's trying to get redeemed five yeah. years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know Roseanne Barr personally. Uh, you know, I know what the public persona is. And of course, you know, for a lot of us, the public persona and the who we actually are can be two entirely different things. So I, I hesitate to completely condemn somebody on the base of the public persona. But uh, uh, for me, I, yeah, Roseanne would have some work to do. <laughs> now, the reason why I brought this up, right? So what's your message if somebody does take offense to one of your projects and they do find it inappropriate maybe the way kelly was talking to leanne i'm just giving that example the characters are talking to each other 
and they, you know, say if I'm a woman and I just say, you know what? I found that very sexist. What's your message to, what do you call it, those listeners that don't find it funny? Well, I think if somebody doesn't find it funny, you're not going to be able to explain it in a way that suddenly makes it funny. Uh, I think all you can do is say, we, you know, as artists, we both reflect life as it could be in life as it is. And uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of what Kelly is, says in the, in those um, really terrific short comedies they've done, um, I can see where you might take it. But uh, I also look at the, at the context of the characters and the relationship and the fact that Leanne's character is a very strong, very independent, takes nothing off a of nobody woman. And um, they, I, I think th their relationship is really, really poignant, funny, and it has something to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, you said you are working on more of these comedies, right? So they better get used to laughing or scratching their heads, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, and, and I think another challenge today dealing with that is we don't really underscore the fact that it's black man, white woman, but it's there. And sometimes people will read all kinds of things into it that um, simply aren't there just because of that context. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But get ready to laugh more and get ready to scratch your heads more. Yes. <laughs> now, no, is there... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, if, if as artists, we aren't pushing an envelope somewhere, we're we're kind of missing the point of our calling. But if the calling gets me canceled again, like you said, you can be redeemable, but there's just some cases where that calling, yeah, what you said or what you did, I don't care about your calling. You're canceled. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, the, that's the sad reality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, you wanted to do more of these comedies. Is there anything you want to touch on that hasn't been touched on on these few comedies with Kelly and Leanne that you want to go deeper into? Yeah, the um, I don't want to give too much away about this feature, but... It, again, it's it'll be Candace and Peter, but also a much more expanded look at um, family. What does family mean in 2023 or whenever we have this in the can and released? I have myself a particularly complex family structure that we don't need to go into. I also firmly believe that family is about more than blood. I have... Um, well, Kelly and Leanne being two of them, I have some friends that I regard as family. So the, the focus is going to be, I think, a little bit more in the broader context of their families and then the challenges in sort of integrating different families into a single unit and that kind of thing. Um, and, th and that is a subject that's very close to my heart just because of my own personal circumstances. Now, did you want to talk about some of your TV credits? Because you got to appear in a big show that has ended. It only got six seasons, but you did get to work very closely with J.K. Sterling. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, he, uh, well, anyway... You know, you as as an actor, you can audition for, you know, five shows in a week. You don't get them. And a week later, you can't even remember, you know, what you'd uh, um, auditioned for. So I was absolutely floored when I got the call from my manager saying, you just booked This Is Us. Wow. Um, 
uh, you know, a, a show that I loved. I think a show that did a really good job of of touching on some of the things that we were just talking about in terms of the you know the complexity of race relations, the complexity of, of family structure, uh, and they managed to do it in such a way that that they didn't get canceled, which is really terrific. Um, but I know I, I I got booked into season two, uh, one episode in season two, and. I already, you know, held Sterling K. Brown in like the absolute highest of regard. And oh my God, I'm in a scene with Sterling. And um, when you shoot network TV, most of the time, unless you're a uh, regular cast, you don't even really meet anybody. You, you, they put you in your little room. They say, all right, Mr. Webster, uh, time to be on set. And you just walk on set and, and you do it. Well, we'd done a few takes and this was um, a large meeting where I was sort of outspoken during the meeting. And so the director kept saying, you know, Curtis, do this, Curtis, do that. So at, at a break, when they were doing camera setups, Sterling says, I want your attention, everybody. The room goes very quiet. He says, there is a white man on the set named Curtis. <laughs> uh, one of the golden shining moments of my life. And then uh, later on, I had a very nice one-on-one -on -one with Sterling where he was doing, of all things, plunging a toilet. And I was standing there looking very disapproving about him plunging that toilet. Uh, but that it, that was just a, a fantastic experience. Uh, it's like if, if I get hit by a truck this afternoon, I at least have that on my resume. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or if there was a revamp of This Is Us, would you do it again? Because you know they bring, they're bringing back all TV shows. And I could see This Is Us coming back again. Oh, I would, I would absolutely love it. Uh, that would be fabulous. Uh, but what I really think is sort of the the signature moment of my career, I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Heidecker. No, I'm not. But you can explain in case our listeners don't know. Tim Heidecker is an extraordinarily gifted comedian and actor, very creative. Uh, he had a, uh, a web series for a while, he still has it, called On Cinema at the Cinema, which was a parody of every movie review show you've ever seen. Um, again, hysterically funny, and it eventually became more about the complications in his character's personal life than about the movies themselves. Um, and one of the things that happened was that Tim uh, got charged with second-degree felony murder. Oh, wow. Uh, and so they had to have a trial. And I got cast as the judge in that trial. And it wasn't, okay, we're, we're going to shoot you know, some scenes and, and pull them together as a trial. It was shot as reality TV. And we literally did a six-day trial, start to finish. Um, and I was a judge, and Tim and I had many comedic run-ins during all of this. Uh, and I go back and I look at that today, and it, it, that, that kind of immersive, guided improv is just wonderful. It It is a chance for an actor to get completely consumed by the role, be in the moment, um, and just let that character tell you where to go. Um, well, Tim, Tim told me where to go several times, but that that's different. But I just look, ba look back at that, and it, it was so audacious, just the whole concept of it. Um, and my, my role as Judge Sismic is, I think, probably the best work I've ever done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, one of the cast members of This Is Us did pass away, the father of the actor J.K. Sterling on the TV show, This Is Us. What were your thoughts of him? I know you didn't get to work with him, and he played J.K. Sterling's father on This Is Us. Yeah, uh, Ron Cephas Jones, um, I I thought 
you know, in, in, in a series that was full of absolutely magnificent performances, I thought his w- was right near the top. Um, there's a sense of reality to it. I mean, sometimes when an actor, you watch another actor and you go, oh, right, I see what you just, what you just pulled there. Ha ha. I completely bought his role. I thought that he, he brought, um, you know, such poignancy to it and at the same time, such humor. And it was just, you know, a joy to watch the two of them work together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he had passed away, I believe, a few weeks ago, RIP. Yes. And what's your message? What do you want to tell the writers and the actors that are on strike? This is four months for the writers, one yep. month for the actors. What's your message to them? And they're still on the picket lines. Don't know if you've got to join them or other actors you know that have joined them. I have been on the picket lines and my message is we're we're at a crucial pivotal turning point in the history of the industry we have got to stand firm we have got to wait them out um we just we, we've got to do this because i think that the whole acting profession is in peril and i think that we uh we need to make it very clear that you can design the cleverest AI actors in the world, but they aren't going to be human. And oh, oh, by the way, everybody should be getting paid what they're worth. Um, So yeah, to to, for actors and writers, and fortunately, I'm in a position where I'm not financially dependent upon the acting. So it's maybe it's kind of easy for me to say. um, And I know there are a lot of people out there who are in danger of losing their homes. But, uh, you know, if if we give in now, um, that's it. But is an AI the future? Aren't they going to run out of actors or not necessarily? Oh, I there are far more talented actors out there than there are roles to give them. Uh, it's it's an incredibly competitive business. Um, and any time I book a role, I view it as a huge win. I don't care if I have one line. Uh, I don't think we're ever going to run out of actors. And I think that you know AI could have some interesting applications, but it should certainly not be should not be I'll use the word cancel, canceling actual human beings as actors. Well, like you said, we're not going to run out of actors. AI can try, but it won't be successful. It is right now, but it won't be. People will just come up with their own stories and projects, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, I think you know, in a lot of ways. Um, you know the studios at the top are already kind of losing control, and that may be part of what's what's driving things right now. Um, but the the opportunity to create your own content right now is unrivaled in history. And I believe if you are an actor and you sit around waiting for the phone to ring, you're going to wait a long time. You've got to find a way to create your own content. You know, you you if if they won't let you showcase it you know, in, in films or TV, you got to showcase it somewhere. Um, and well, I, I tell me something, the short that I did with Leanne is a great calling card. You know, I, I, I'm happy to show that to anybody who is interested in, in my acting and my writing, but no, you just, you, the world has changed. You have got to find a way to create your own content. And if you can't do it yourself, you know, find creative partners who, you know, can do the the technical side, the production side. All right. Did you want to throw out your social media platforms and throw out those rom-com comedies, the names again, in case listeners want to take a peek or they have something to say and they're already ready, you know, saying I'm going to say something. 
<laughs> well, I think if, if you just uh, search Curtis Webster on Facebook, you'll find me. I'm not, uh, I'm a little bit behind the times, I guess, because I have not done a deep dive into social media. I'm told I need to do that. And I, you know, I guess I need to address that. But I am on Facebook, Curtis Webster. Um, you will see my aged but smiling face right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And throw out those rom-com comedies again. The three shorts are Reservations for Three, question mark, Candace and Peter's Smokin' Hot Date, and Is You Is. Is You Is. And Candace and Peter's Smokin' Hot Date is funny. I've seen clips of it. People need to check it out. Listeners, you definitely need to check that out. Any final things you would love to tell Met Radio in Toronto? Well, first of all, I think, you know, Toronto is an absolutely gorgeous city, and I am not there nearly enough. Uh, I would just say that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're at, again, we're at this turning point, and in some ways, the future of the industry is very scary, but at the same time, you know, it's times like this when opportunities get created. If you are thinking about going into acting, writing, directing, or whatever, I actually think now is going to be a great time to do it. Things are in flux. If you can present yourself as something new and unique, either in the acting or the writing or directing or whatever stage, um, it doesn't feel like it right now. But I think there are opportunities to come. So anybody, you know, anybody within range of my voice here who, again, is is contemplating going seriously into that, I would I would encourage you to do it. You know, throw yourself into it because I think there are opportunities coming and we may not be able to see them just yet, but I believe they're going to be there. All right. All right. All right. I would love to thank you for coming on the show. Great. Thank you. All right. All right. For Met Radio, 1280 AM, I am Donovan LaCroxy. I would love to thank writer and actor Curtis Webster. Thank you so much again for coming on the show. Thank you. It is an honor. And also, thank you to the listeners for listening to this episode.